Hey, it's Pastor Nick from Grace River Church, and I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope you find today's message encouraging and transformative in your life. We'd love for you to join us online each Sunday morning at 10 a.m. by visiting graceriverva.com slash live. Now, enjoy the message. Praise the Lord. Before I get into the Word this morning, I'm going to ask Pastor Nick and Amanda, if you'll please come also. Um, I first met Nick in a classroom several years ago. I think it was 2017. And, um, and from there, I just noticed this young man and this young lady were sitting over here on the side of the sanctuary on Sundays, especially during the summer. And then I found out they were driving all the way from the Richmond area on Sundays to come to church here. And so the more we got to know them, um, and of course, this, you know, listen, Grace River is powerfully relational. Um, anytime we try to do assessments and find out what, what's the key to Grace River, um, I want them to say great preaching. But that's just my, uh, I'm still being healed of narcissism, right? Um, you know, I want them to say great singing, and the praise team does wonderful. But here's what they always say uh, to, to um, literally almost 100% people say, man, it's the relationship. When I walk in the door, I sense people, and they're genuine. They're, they're loving people. And that's the same way we felt about Nick and Amanda, where they just kept coming. And they finished up school, and I'm going to step up here because I, want, I actually want you guys to face me for just a minute. Um, when they came to school, um, they weren't married, but then they, they decided they were going to stay in this area. And by 2018, Nick had become part of our staff part-time. And how many of you know that 2020, uh, ministry changed for every minister on the planet? What serving looked like changed drastically. I, I really consider 2020 the test for ministry. If someone could be in ministry in 2020, and listen, listen, there's a lot of pain going around. But when you understand what being in full-time ministry is all about, it's not a light thing. And when we look at the Word of God today, it's, first of all, it's important for us to understand that all of us are called. Every one of us in this room are called into ministry. All of us as believers are to pursue God's will for our lives. And it's true that every believer should be diligent in following that. But not every believer is called to a local body. And when a believer is called to a local body to oversee and to pastor and to minister to people, is what we have is, is what we call an ordination. And here's what that simply means. There's, there's three parts to an ordination, and it's all very biblical. First of all, there has to be a desire. So what's a desire? Well, a desire for a lot of people, you know, a lot of people think they want to be in ministry, right? A lot of people have a desire. They, they think they want to be this or they want to be in the praise team, and, and that's not, not even out of the ordinary. All of us have a desire. But God has a way of testing that desire. As I've got to know Nick and Amanda, first of all, I've seen them both grow incredibly. It's been amazing. Had the privilege to marry them and, and just watch them grow. And they're a powerful young couple, I promise you. They're very normal, but they're a powerful young couple. But I was talking to Nick, and we've talked many times about their calling and 
how God and what God is doing in their life. And Nick uh, reminded me the other day that when he was um, still single and one of the summers he took a job at a local church in the Richmond area, and he said it was during that summer, he, he really felt he was called even during high school, but it was during the summer that he was helping at this church that he realized, yeah, I made the wrong decision. Ministry is not for me. You know. And just, just for all of us to be understanding about that, most pastors feel that every Monday. Okay? Now, here's what I'm saying. Nick told me something that just really excited me. But he said he came back sort of thinking, man, I'm not sure if this is really what God wants me to do. But he took a class, and the gentleman he took a class with teaches Psalms at Regent University. And he said during this class, one of his assignments was to write a psalm. And I just so happened to have that psalm. And I, I want to read because Nick said this is what made me realize, man, God is in me. It simply says, revive me, O Lord, for your purposes. Keep me in your plan. How long will you keep me behind your throne? Like an animal eats the scraps, so too I eat the remnants of your plate. When will you pour out your blessings on me? For years I prospered from your reign, but now my fields are dry. I have no fruit to give. Rescue me, O God. I think that was the summer at the church. Rescue me, O God, of the dry and fruitless garden I am in. Anoint me with the oil of your blessing. Embrace me with the passion of a father. Take me to your throne room, and here's how I know he's called. <laughs> Send me to your people. So see, the, the desire is there. The qualifications are there. Qualifications we see throughout the word in Timothy, first and second Timothy, and Titus. But also the qualifications of having been with us here on staff in 2019 and 2020. And again, in 2020, um, I told the staff when the virus was just setting in, I told the staff, I said, you're going to see leadership rise this year. This is not going to be the year you think it's going to be. Leadership will rise or fall. When I tell you that, and I'm, not, I'm, I'm trying to be careful not to brag on them too much. We don't even have internet this morning. I'm, just, um, I'm, I'm careful not to brag on them too much, but I'm telling you, he has risen to the occasion. They have risen to the occasion in multiple ways. So to stand here today, this is not just going through the motions. We're setting a couple forth in ministry that are going to do powerful things for God. So, Nick, I want to ask you something. Because the third part of that is being appointed. Now, when you say appointed, if, if we were in a church and had a series of churches, we might be appointing him to another location. But what this simply means is, we as the people of God see a call on his life in whatever areas of ministry he covers, and he's already proven to cover multiple areas of ministry, that God has his hand upon him. That's what ordination is. We see God. He has a desire. He's got the qualities. He's got the training. He's got the development. He's got the experience. We see it. We affirm it. And so... Moved by your love for God and a sincere desire to proclaim the gospel, 
you now commit to this ministry and faithfully serve in it? Will you tend the flock of God, committing to your care, taking oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly? Not for worldly gain, but that men and women may be made free in him. Will you make faithful efforts to administrate the ordinances of purity, to preach the word of the everlasting God, to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, to lead disciples in the presence of God, to experience his healing through the Holy Spirit, to minister to them the truth of God containing in the scriptures, to guide them in every way that Jesus Christ would lead. Would they find their lives, they will be found in him. If so, say, I do. Do you promise to be diligent in prayer, in reading of the scriptures, and in such study and devotions that will increase your knowledge of God and his kingdom? Will you endeavor through the strength and grace of Jesus Christ to live your life, a life of sincere discipleship, be loyal to the call, be loyal to your wife, be loyal to your duty, and faithful to discharge all the work of ministry entrusted to you? Do you accept the faith and leadership of the covering of Grace River and promise to be loyal to this fellowship that it may more and more bear fruit as God's universal church? Nick, according to 2 Timothy 4, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is the judge of the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom to preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and teaching. Dr. Bucci, if you would please come. I want us to, if you'll turn and face the congregation. I know this is very different. And with the age of media that we are in, you don't just do anything and everything on media. But see, I want whoever's watching, even in the UK. I want whoever's watching to know that we don't just gather, we send. Now, don't worry, they're not going anywhere. But what this means is that people are developed and maturing and growing and leading, and we're blessed that they're a part of us. God's got a powerful plan for their lives. And that, would you just stretch your hands this way as we pray? Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, we lift them up to you right now. Lord, this is an ordained moment because... You knew. You're not surprised, Lord. We're not rushing a plan. Lord, we're, we're simply stepping out in obedience to you that as individuals are prepared, as individuals have a desire and the qualifications are there, Lord, and they walk this out in maturity, Lord, we see it. It's obvious. So, Lord, we know that your hand is upon them, but now, Lord, we release them back into your hands. Lord, anoint them, Father. Lord, let them not be dismayed when things get tough because they will get tough, but you tell us in this world we will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. You have overcome the world. So, Lord, let them understand that you've called them to a ministry that has already won. you called them to a life that already has victory. you called them to lead people that will be um, arrogant at times, that will be misguided at times, that will be blind at times, but, Lord, through their ministries, will see you. And I pray, God, that you anoint them and use them for your glory. Lord, I pray that you touch their marriage. Lord, this young family, Lord, as, as they continue to grow and develop, Lord, I pray that you just touch them. Even this year, as Nick starts a new program and his master's program, God, just touch them. 
strengthen them, anoint them. And Lord, we just look for great things. We look for fruit, not as pressure on them, but because of them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we give the Lord praise? Amen. Love you guys. Bless you. Bless you. Praise the Lord. Thank you. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Well, John chapter 9. Pretty cool, too, when I was talking to Dr. Kaiser, uh, one of Nick's former professors. <clears throat> um, I, I just told him the story of what was happening. And I was really trying to brag on Dr. Kaiser, but he knows Nick's well enough that he says, oh, that, ha that class had those printed up. He said, he's going he's to cry so fast when you start reading this. And I said, I know. That's not why I read it. Though. I think it's pretty in insightful of his heart. So, uh, let's turn to uh, John chapter 9. Here's what I want to do for a few minutes. I already know it's 1030. And I really want us to focus on communion at the end of the service. I want us to stay in chapter 9. There's no way I'm getting through the entire chapter today. But I do want us to focus on chapter 9, verses 1 through 12. Let, let me just read that. Let's just get into that. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? this man or his parents, that he was born blind. And Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with saliva. He anointed a man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sin. So he went and washed and came back seeing. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, Is not this the man who used to be sitting and begging? Some said, It is he. Others said, No, but it looks like him. He kept saying, I am the man. I can almost see that conversation taking place. I am the man. So they said to him, then how were your eyes opened? The man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. And they said to him, where is he? He said, I do not know. <clears throat> the, the world as we know it, has not just recently been filled with sin, filled with disease, filled with brokenness, filled with pain, filled with suffering. It's been here since the fall. Even when you look through the Old Testament, you'll see multiple needs of brokenness. And the reason we call miracles miracles is they just don't happen every day. Now, now, we try to water things down and, you know, hey, there's a miracle born every moment. Well, we know, listen, if you've ever seen one of your children born, it's a miracle. 
So we understand that. But I'm talking about when life doesn't go the way you think, or life hasn't turned out the way you think, and it's got to be a divine miracle or it's not going to happen. Now, this is not going to be the sermon you think it is this morning. On the other hand, it's really helping us understand that blinded eyes can be opened, but not for the reasons we think. You see, when I look at this passage, Jesus, you have to understand, Jesus has just left, up until this passage, Jesus has just left constantly debating, if you will, with leaders about who he was. Up until when we start looking at John from the first chapter, John is letting us know who Jesus is, and then chapter 2 takes us into his first miracle, the water and the wine. And then throughout this, Jesus is constantly, little by little, proving himself. Very little teaching to the disciples thus far. But a lot of in your face with the leaders. Who do you think you are? Who has given you this kind of authority? Who, and Jesus is constantly letting them know, I am the bread. You're just, that's all, the reason you're following me is you're just hungry. As soon as you get fed a little bit, you're gone. Hello? I'm not going to talk about bread this morning, but he's just letting them know there's a cycle that you can see in the lives of people. We can see it in the lives of the passage here. And then he gets to the great feast in chapter 7, Feast of Tabernacles, and at this feast, he, he makes a pretty powerful statement. He says, I am, if you're, hurt, if you're thirsty, come unto me and I will give you water. And he was speaking of the Holy Spirit. Then he comes into the end of chapter 7 into chapter 8, and he says, I am the light of the world. Now, all this, he's not proclaiming this to his disciples. He's proclaiming this to religious leaders to get them to understand you are talking to the answer. I am Jesus. What, who is your father? If you knew me, if you knew my father, you would know me. He's constantly, because unbelief will constantly argue with truth. To see really what unbelief is, unbelief to a great extent is somebody trying to guard the ground they're standing on because they really just don't want to move on the truth ground. Now, we're going to talk about blind eyes in just a moment, but I just want to just settle in on that for a second. Think about that for a second because most of what you refuse to believe is just areas you don't want to move into. Most of what I refuse to obey in the Word of God, you ready? It's just stuff I don't want to obey. Love everyone, I don't want to. Love your enemies, I don't want to. They hurt my feelings too bad. Um, love those who persecute you. Okay, now don't raise your hands on these questions, but um, the bottom line is if most of us got persecuted here in America, we would be thinking, would I be charged for self-defense if I do that? Can't, can't a man protect himself? See, see, we're thinking of those terms. Jesus is walking through a cross, and he's, he's telling people, love one another. Now, I'm saying that because really unbelief sort of boils down to, I just want it my way. I want it my way. Now, we'll get the blinded eyes in a minute. But here's, here's what the Bible starts to tell us here, because he's now proclaiming, I am the light of the world. It gets so viral, it gets so intense, 
Jesus makes a statement that simply says, listen, where I'm going, you cannot come. You're going to die in your sins. Well, that will always make people happy. So they literally start to pick up stones, and the Bible says that he moved between them and hid among them and escaped. Now, I'm saying that because as Jesus approaches leaving the temple, he approaches this blind man, and he said, and passing by, which tells me because this guy's still in the temple. And Jesus was passing through to get out, but as he was passing by, so Jesus is still in get out of the temple mode, and he still sees this man. Now here's, I just want to lock on this for a few minutes this morning, because the first point is, is simply this. You may not see Jesus, but he sees you. See, this man was blind from birth. The man was blind from birth. And here's what I know about, here's what I know about this passage and this man. Um, as a beggar, he was doing what he could do to survive. As a beggar, he was doing the only thing he knew he could do to survive. And he was doing what other beggars do, get together. They, they, they didn't get out there on their own. They met at the temple. Why the temple? Well, there's a couple of reasons, and, and none of this necessarily. It's just sort of observation on my part. It's like if people were here at the church this morning asking for help. This is a good place to ask for help. Why? Because we're, we're church people. We, we care about people. And, and supposedly, if you come to a church setting and you care about people, you will maybe get some help. Or just maybe it, it's because they're coming to worship and they got stuff that they're dealing with. And if they're dealing with stuff, you know, maybe nobody here I know, but if you're dealing with guilty conscience issues and you're coming to make a sacrifice of praise, certainly here in the, in the New Testament, we're seeing people are coming to the temple, they've got some money, they're going to buy sacrifices, they're going to make sacrifices, they're going to give. So now there's, they got some money and they're guilty. I don't know. What I do know is this man knew the only way to make a living. He was just trying to take care of himself the best way he knew how. You ever feel that way? You're just trying to do life the best way you know how. It's the only way you know how. Well, but the Bible says that this man was blind from birth, and Jesus saw him. The disciples asked Jesus, is this man born blind because of his sin or his parents' sin? Now, depending on your theological background, there's a couple different ways you can go on this. But here's, here's how I read this, and here's how I've studied this, and it, it just I'm not trying to twist things around, but here's the bottom line. There are consequences to sin. There are consequences to sin. Um, I, I, I've known the Bible to say that it rains on the just and the unjust. People are suffering in this world, whether they're good or bad. Hey, I've seen some really healthy, mean people. Some very healthy, robust, evil people. But I've also seen good Christians who are sick. 
good Christians who are battling disease in their body. So, so what am I saying? This man was blind from birth. Jesus wasn't there to judge him. And when the disciple says, whose fault? Because that's what the culture was about. If, if something was wrong with you, it's because you did something wrong. You deserve what you're getting. You know, your parents messed up, so that's just how you're blind. And, I, you know, I'm not even, some commentaries really go into some detail about how they felt about literal sin in birth. But the reality is, Jesus was saying, listen, this is not about playing the victim. This is not about it's their fault or it's his fault, because we're all sinners. We all need a Savior. What was Jesus saying? This, this, this man was born like this, so the works of God can be shown through him. I wonder what would happen if we started looking at what we're going through as an opportunity for the work of God. I wonder what it would be like instead of, instead of the, the culture around us, at, at us feeling at odds with the culture, sinners, saints, next Sunday. It feels like that. It's an us and them mentality rather than a Christ right in the middle of the culture looking for people who are lost, looking for people who are blind. Because some people know they're blind. Some people don't know they're blind. Some people know they're blind, and they've gotten accustomed to it, and they've learned how to function. They've never seen anything before anyway, so they don't know what they're missing. So when Jesus goes up to him, you know, in another passage, a blind man says, Jesus, if you can, and Jesus says, I will. This is not the same passage. In this passage, the disciples are like, is it his fault? Is it his parents' fault? And Jesus says, listen, it's not, sin is sin. We, we live in a fallen world. You're going to see sin. Don't ever be surprised what you see in sin. Don't, don't watch the media. As a matter of fact, I wish I could encourage you to not watch the media. Stop watching the news because they're never going to give you the right narrative. And I know that sounds like I'm, I'm, I'm living you know, somewhere out there and I'm always believing some type of behind the scenes. No, this is, I'm telling you, the media is never going to give you the whole truth because they want you to watch next week too. And so we live in anxiousness, we live in fear because we think that what we're seeing is truth. And some people, if they've always seen that, believe that's truth. Just like this blind man, am I making a little bit of sense? Just like this blind man, all he knew was darkness, so that was his norm. Jesus comes up to him spits in the mud, spits in the dirt, makes mud, and kicks it on his eyes and says, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. It's also, ironically, the same pool that they drew water out of, that on the last great day of the feast, they would walk up and pour out the water, representing the water that you would never thirst again. Now, very quickly, I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but that's okay. Um, there's something about healing and having your eyes open. God can touch you, but if you don't obey, you can stay blind and in the temple. You can be touched of God, but be blind and in the temple. You can be touched of God, but be blind and in church. You can be touched of God, call yourself a Christian, and be blind and still walk in the dark at work. 
you can be, you can be, God can touch you, God can set you free, and you can still act like a prisoner. Hello? You can, you can be touched of God, God can bring you answers to your life, God can lay the word of God out before you, and you can, your idea and your mindset can be, well, if it, God, if it's your will for me to see, I would see. No, he said, go. And I, I just truly believe that in this passage, too, there's something that's, that's wrapped up in all of us that sometimes the reason we just say so miserable sometimes, I'm talking to somebody, the reason we say so miserable and we want God to touch us, we want God to move, we want to feel God's presence and power in our lives, we want to be used of God greatly, but right here. And we wonder why we're still walking in the dark. We wonder, why, we wonder why things aren't happening around us. Because the man, maybe he was desperate. Maybe he had heard the news of Jesus. Maybe he had heard stories. But what we do know is he, he obeyed. And he went. Now, I didn't read this. Um, I didn't want to leave you at that part of the scripture. That's why I read through chapter 12. Because the Bible says it didn't say after a couple of days. He went straight there. He didn't do any selfies with mud on his eyes. You know, we, we want before and after pictures. He went straight to the pool. And the Bible says he came back seeing. Now, just having that in your, having that in your view for just a moment, I'm going to go back to very quickly how that when Jesus says it's not his parents, are his fault. Jesus was once again proclaiming. He was once again proclaiming. He's here for the works of God to be shown. Here's what he was saying. I have come to set people free. I am the light of the world. If you're a sinner, you can be saved by grace. If you're walking in darkness, you can see the light. If your life is broken, I can put things back together. I don't care where you are. You can say, well, I'm lonely, I'm frustrated, I'm bitter. I will never leave you or forsake you, even to the end of the age. See, because what Jesus is trying to get across there is all the theological mumbo-jumbo that, that we buy into sometimes, all that theology. And listen, I believe in theology. All right? But, but you know, after you discuss theology, that's why I love when Jesus says, we must do the works of God while it is day. Because as soon as it's night, it's over. Now, was he talking about physical day and night? No. He was talking about your life. He, you know, when you are set free, when God touches you, and what he was saying is, I have come. When Jesus Christ comes, he's been talking. Now he's talking to the disciples. He was talking to the religious leaders and saying, I am, and they wouldn't believe him. But John chapter 1 tells us that. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Without Him, nothing was made, but everything was made by Him. He's the Creator. So Jesus now comes in the flesh, and He's saying, I am the light. When you see me, you will know the way. But there's something about us knowing that Jesus is the answer. He puts to end all the old theology from the Jewish belief, that somehow you've got to earn your salvation, that we have a tendency to still practice today. You're more Jewish than you thought. 
Nothing against my brothers. Because there's powerful messianic Jews. What would it look like if, if we just understood? See, this, the, the powerful thing is this blind man had no idea. When Jesus said, wipe something on his eyes and said, all right, now go wash. The blind man did not say, okay, so what's going to happen? I need to understand this. I need to be able to comprehend this. You know why we don't see any miracles? Because we want to comprehend it. See, if, if you could comprehend it, you wouldn't need a miracle. If you could comprehend things, if you could comprehend loving your enemy, you wouldn't need Jesus every day of your life. If you could comprehend what salvation really meant, you wouldn't need a Savior. If you could comprehend what, what really forgiving someone would, would, would cost in your life, you wouldn't need a Savior to come and die for your sins. Because the Bible tells us that while we were sinners, while we were separated from God, while while God hates sin and he hated us, he loved us so much that he died for us. And see, and it's not about guilt when I remind you of that. It's about reminding you of how much God loves you, that he empowers us to love others. And this blind man's not sitting there, listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to obey you, Jesus, as soon as I understand. I'm going to obey you, Lord, as soon as I can comprehend this. Listen, I know some of you. You're never going to get it. None of us are ever going to get it. There's things that when we get to heaven, we're going to walk around for the first 10,000 years. Oh, that makes sense now. <laughs> you know, that's why we're going to be there for eternity. It's going to take some of us a long time to really get this. Okay, I'm being, I'm being silly. And so it's, it's, we've got to get past the point in our life. I wonder how many times for us to... And I'm talking about blindness now. I wonder how many of us sometimes God touches us. And, and we even know where we should go. Even if we don't understand it. Even if we can't clearly see it. And we say, well, I'll go when I understand. I'll forgive them when I feel like. I'll forgive him when it makes sense. Now, I'm not just trying to hammer this home because what I, am, what I am encouraging you to do is if God has touched your life, he's never touched you to sit still. The Bible tells us that when, before Jesus was ascended after the resurrection, he met with his disciples and he said, now listen, it's important that I go. But I want you to go into all the world. Teach, preach the gospel. Teach them to obey all that I've commanded. Make disciples of all nations. That's make, that's creativity. That's, that's creating something that's not there. How do you do that? You got to get down with people and get, get in the mud. Now, I'm not trying to, trying to somehow define what the mud and saliva means. There's tons of preachable illustrations there that I can honestly say, I don't know. I think God just does what God wants to do. Can I get an amen? If God wants to use mud, God can use mud. That doesn't mean we start a mud ministry. If, and I assure you, if God used spit, that won't go over either. Hello. 
maybe with a mask, but keep it to yourself. Now, here's, here's my point. When God does something, maybe, you know what, I wonder sometimes if sometimes he does something because we're blind, and he knows we wouldn't receive it. Now, if it sounds like I'm trying to talk to some stubborn folks, I am. Because, see, we're more blind than we think we are. Maybe not from birth, but life settles in. And, and people recognize us in different places in our life. You see what happened to this guy when he came back, don't you? See, because when you're no longer blind, you'll walk differently. You look differently. You're no longer hobbling around like the man you used to be. Why? Because the Bible says anyone in Jesus Christ is a new creation. I was uh, talking to a gentleman in Atlanta, Georgia this last week and just talking to him through some issues that, that a lot of us have been through and his son's going through some stuff right now. And I said, listen, one of the greatest lessons your son can ever learn, his son is 33 years old. I said, one of the lessons your son will ever learn is it's okay to walk with a limp. <laughs> but I want people to think I'm, I'm strong in Jesus. You know, the best way to look strong in Jesus is on your knees. Sometimes the strongest you'll look is when you're just pulling up from that next struggle and you're walking through that next storm. And, and if your mindset is saying, well, you know, you got to look macho, you got to look cool, you got to look like you've got it all together. It's marketing, Pastor. We got to funnel them in. No, you know who you know who people really will follow. Um, someone with a few scars because they're pressing through and following Jesus, and they're they're living in victory. Somehow they always have joy. Somehow it's not that life is easy. It's somehow that they can rise up every day. Yes, and I know there's difficult situations. I know there's times when you just lay in bed and like God. I can't get out of bed. I know that. But I promise you, if you just keep walking in obedience, because people see it. How do I know? When this guy came back seeing, some said, hey, isn't that the blind guy? Others said, well, he, he looks like him. He looks familiar, but the guy we know is blind. The, the guy we know has a history. The guy that we know has some patterns that, that we don't see right now because he looks different, but we can, he looks enough like, and the guy, I can, I can see it. He's standing there saying, it's me. It is me. I, it, I am the guy you're talking about. Wouldn't it be great if you had to do that at work tomorrow? Now think about it. What it would look like if you went home, it's going to get tight, all right, Just, what, what would happen if you went home and your kid said, who are you? Not, not to condemn, please, please. But what would it look like if your wife said, I don't, I don't recognize you. It's me, I promise it's me. What happened? Now see, the, the what happened, I, I, I'm not trying to get through the rest of the chapter, but what happened? Jesus. No, explain it to us. That's all I got. No, theologically, John, explain it to me. Okay. He put mud on my eyes, and I can see. 
No, go a little bit deeper than that, John. Okay. He put mud on my eyes. What am I saying? Um, you know, you've got a story to tell, and you don't have to be theologically versed to tell it. I want, I want you to understand something. Um, you say more with your actions than you do with your words anyway. But that does not mean you should not use your words. Some of us have built your life of witness on that. Well, you know, I speak more with my actions than I do. But you don't ever say anything. I, I want to challenge you just to tell your story. What's your story? I once was lost, but now I'm found. Well, can you break that down with Scripture? That's why most of us don't say anything. Because we know somebody's going to say, well, quote 2 Corinthians 4.19. And we're like, uh, God so loved the world that, um, you know, we, we think we're going to have to start quoting Scripture. And I'm not saying we shouldn't be in the Word. That's a whole different message this morning. But some of us are so petrified that we won't just simply say, it's me. It's me. I'm the one that's changed. Well, tell us how you've changed. Jesus. Well, now break that. You've got to get deeper than that because I don't even believe in Jesus. Okay. That's your answer. Because if somebody says, I don't believe, there'll be another day. Don't stand there and argue with them. You're the one that experienced it. You don't have to, do, you don't have, but it's really me. I promise it's me. I win. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm free. I'm delivered. I can see. Let me prove it to you. If they're not going to believe, they're not going to believe. Don't worry about it. Keep seeing. Now here's, I'm going I'm to wrap this up because I want us to focus on communion in just a moment. How does this even tie into communion? It's powerful. Because see, if you don't remember that Jesus Christ was the same yesterday, today, and forever, that was just a story I just talked about. If you don't really believe that he was the word of God in the beginning, then it won't matter that he's the word of God right now. If you don't believe that God can literally physically create human eyes that a man can generally born blind has never seen, smears mud on his eyes, goes to the pool that, that represents the water that even Jesus was saying, if you're thirsty, come. And his eyes are open, he sees crystal clear, never has seen Jesus yet. But giving him all the glory, it's because Jesus is saying, listen, when you start to understand, you may never understand all the theology wrapped up. With years of study, you might be able to talk about it, but the one the one verse I love in there is, we must do the work. Why? Because talking about theology is great. But at some point, we put down the book and we go to work. What is the powerful theology in this little passage? Jesus will meet you where you are because he's looking. You're blind and you may not be able to see him. Well, I've been in church my whole life. Okay. All right. Well, I've been in religion my whole life. So have all the leaders that Jesus had talked to. So we, we can be we can be in religion. We can be in our in our theological forts. We could believe in, in a lot of ways that God can move or God can't move, and then all of a sudden God moves, and now we're defending something. And, and I'm not trying to twist anybody's theology, except to challenge you this. I wonder sometimes if we find ourselves so blind in the temple 
that we can't even see what God is calling us to do anymore. I just want to encourage you, he's still looking for you. But it will call for obedience. Obedience not just to study more theology, but to do neology. Pray, seek God, walk it out. Let people see that things have changed. Let people see that lives have changed. Let people see your life. Well, pastor, you know, we're living, you know the culture we're living in. That's why we have to take this more seriously than you've ever taken it. We've got to be more bold than we've ever been. We've got, we've got to be able to reach people and touch people's lives wherever they, and I'm going to wrap this up next week on that part of it, so I'm not going to push that right now. But here's what I am going to say. Can you really, can you really understand that if Jesus is still doing his work today, when he tells us to take communion, he's not saying, this was something I just want you to celebrate. This is something I want you to remember. This is something that's vital. And if we'll prepare to serve the elements and the praise team's going to come. Right now, the praise team's going to come. Here's um, the greatest step I hope that we can take this morning is as we're celebrating communion, Paul tells us to examine ourselves. <clears throat> we're not saved by works, but you can walk in darkness. What do you mean, Pastor? God can be calling us to things and us just decide we're not going to do it. And it's maybe simple obedience. It may just be go to the pool. It, it may be something that you're not even asking for and God's just trying to nudge you. Tell that person at work about me. Tell that person that, you know, I, I don't know if I shared this, but several weeks ago, Diane and I were at the car wash. and I, I've got a tendency that every time I go to Lowe's, you know those little uh, cloths, they come in a packet of about 15. I don't know why, but I buy one every time I go to Lowe's. So we've got like 600 cloths if you need one. So we're at, we're at the car wash because they're great to use for washing the car or drying off the car to go through the car wash. And so we're washing the car, and this little gentleman comes over to Diane and, and says, hey, do you get those cloths here? And Diane said, oh, no, but here, take some of ours. And I'm like, Whoa. Those are, you just gave away. <laughs> but because, and he was an elder, elderly man, you know, much not like myself. And he, um, he and Diane were talking, so I walked over, and I was like, okay, I've got 700 of those at home. Okay, I think we can spare two. But see, as we were talking, come to find out, he was the parent of another minister we know in the area. And they were here visiting. And we had a wonderful conversation. Why? Because you never know who you're talking to. You never know who might be going through a struggle. You never know who might be going through a difficulty. And, and just that simple, because he was so impressed that we would give him a rag. I'm sorry, that my wife would give him a rag. 
Can you imagine what the world begins to think of a church that is selfless? That really takes serious that when Jesus says, this is my body. And when he says, we must do the works of he who sent me. He meant us. See, it moves from I am the light to you are the light. There's a transition there. It, it moves from he is the way to we have the opportunity to show people the way. But it really is, if you really even believe what we're ready to do, and I want us to pray. And they're going to serve the elements as a praise team, saints who will receive communion. And listen, we're still in COVID, so we're still using the prepackaged, so you're going to have to take a moment. God's not going to open it for you. You're going to have to take a moment and open it. But listen, as we prepare our hearts, let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Are you blind? Have there been areas that God's been calling you to or, or God's been trying to touch in your life? And maybe you didn't even know they were there. You've, you've been so oblivious because your whole life it's been this way. But Jesus says, go. I wonder what it would look like for some of us to go home today just determined, not for behavior modification, but to follow Jesus. And just wait for people to say, wow. There's something different about you. Does that mean you're going to be perfect? Nope. No. They'll, they'll remember you then. So it doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. What's going to, what's going to blow their mind is when you get right back up. And you say, I'm sorry. I, that, that's not me anymore. That's the old me. The new guy can see better. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, there's so much that your Holy Spirit can be speaking to us right now. But Lord, as we prepare to receive the elements in just a moment, Lord, Paul tells us to examine ourselves. And Lord, as men and women of God, if we're not willing to examine ourselves, we have not truly given ourselves. So we do that, Lord. Is there any wickedness? Are there things in my life that I've not surrendered? But Lord, more importantly, are there things you're trying to do that I... I'm just not even getting a clue on, Lord. And it's not about me understanding. Lord, we may be blind to things that we've never known about, but Lord, as you touch us and begin to speak through your word and speak in our spirits, Lord, I just pray that it be obedient. In Jesus' name, amen. The team's going to sing. We're going to serve the elements, and we'll take communion.
see the disciples Jesus was trying to get them to understand he was trying to teach them he was trying and they, they just, they're just like us we have the incredible opportunity to look back in perspective and know that Jesus Christ is risen and even though things haven't always worked out the way you planned anybody all your plans that worked out the way you planned Can I remind you that God is sovereign? He has a plan. That's why he says, I, I want you to understand this is my body, which I've given you. That this is the cup, my blood, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. He tells us to do this in remembrance, not just to memorialize, not just to celebrate. We don't do this every month just to, just to have a little gathering to say we've had communion. Ladies and gentlemen, it's important that you don't forget it's real we serve a risen savior he still opens blind eyes amen he said my body was broken for you take 
deep. Do this in remembrance of me. still understand he said this cup is the cup of my blood which is shed for many for the remission of sin take drink and remember can we all stand together father in the name of Jesus Christ Lord I, I pray that in the simplicity of this service today <laughs> that our eyes would be open. Father, it, it's not so much that we don't believe you are the Savior of the world. We're starting this new journey with your disciples, trying to get them to really understand sin is not the problem anymore. You have overcome the world. Through your death, we are no longer slaves to sin. Lord, I pray that in the name of Jesus, we begin walking like free people today. <laughs> Walking like people who have seen the light. Walking like people who have been set free. Walking like people who know their God. And their lives are shining in the light. Lord, I just pray that today, Lord, birthed in us a, a drive, a new desire to make a difference where we are. Not to wait next week, next month. Lord, you, you called us to go. And Lord, we're living in a world that's hurting. Lord, let us not try to figure out all the details on how to fix the world. You've not called us to fix it. You've just called us to live in it. <laughs> Shine in the darkness. Make disciples. So Lord, I just pray that in the name of Jesus Christ, where we are, let us begin today. Let us begin in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. God bless you. We love you, Grace Groups. If you haven't still signed up for those, there's still time. We love you. Fellowship before you leave today. God bless you. This podcast is a member of the Grace River Podcast Network. To listen to more of the podcasts in our network, head over to graceriverva.com slash media. We would love for you to join us in person or online on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. for our weekend worship experience. Our campus is located at 5045 Indian River Road in Virginia Beach, Virginia, or you can find us online at graceriverva.com. Grace River exists so that every generation can experience the transforming power of God in every area of their lives.